You are now listening to Men of March, presented by StudentUnionSports.com. And welcome back to another Men of March podcast. Had a great week of college basketball and just got done watching the college football national championship. Congratulations to the Georgia Bulldogs. First natty in 41 years. Finally getting a little... A new champion in the college football ranks. Fun game to watch. Congrats to Stetson Bennett. Really good story. But now we're here to talk some college hoops. I am joined with my co-host Nate Marcus here from Student Union Sports. And we're bringing you the Student Union's College Basketball Podcast. Nate, how are you doing on a fun Monday night? Not too bad. Like you said, just got done watching the national championship. We got a modern-day quarterback being a national champion in JT Daniels. Not the one that I necessarily thought was going to do it, but nonetheless, JT Daniels, national champ, good Orange County boy. Uh, but, yeah, really fun college basketball weekend. Really nice Saturday. Got to see the Missouri Tigers beat a ranked opponent in person. That was a blast. How about them? Yeah, we'll start off with um, – we, we don't really get to talk about Mizzou basketball for obvious reasons. There's not a lot of great things to talk about them until this weekend. So you're there in person. Uh, what, how, how is Mizzou able to do it? Uh, I don't know what Bama is. They're 140. And no, that's Mizzou. Never mind. Bama is 59th in defensive efficiency this year after being ranked third last year. And they made a Mizzou team that looks inept on offense for the first 13 games of the year look like a competent NCAA tournament level offense. Kobe Brown at 30 and 13. All five starters scored in double figures. And it was just a really well-played basketball game by the Tigers. And Bama wasn't that bad on offense either. I mean, they scored 86 points, made a good amount of threes. It felt like didn't turn the ball over very much. But, I mean, if Bama can't defend people, then it's just not going to work for them. They have now four losses to unranked opponents. I own a Davidson, Missouri, and Memphis. And none of those teams except Missouri are necessarily bad. But it's just getting hard to believe in Bama to be what they thought they were at the beginning of the season. Yeah, and their resume is really interesting because, of course, you got that win in Gonzaga in non-Spokane, but in their territory in Seattle, that win against Houston when they still had Marcus Sasser. And so, and even the home win against Tennessee, and they'll have other opportunities to win big games, No, most notably tomorrow against Auburn we'll, at home, and we'll get into that, but how do you see this resume with Alabama? Like, how's the, how's the committee? Are they going to outweigh the losses for their spectacular wins? And, and of course, we still have a lot of the, C, the SEC season to play out. And they do have a monster non-conference matchup in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. They host Baylor at the end of the month. So, a lot of quality games left remaining for the Tide, but it's like, such an up and down year and yeah they played a tough schedule but we've seen we've seen two like different teams especially on the defensive side of the ball yeah I mean lucky for them like you said they're in the SEC and what may be the best basketball league in the country this season they're going to get games to win and boost their NCAA tournament stock and aside from the wins against Gonzaga and Houston they have victories over Louisiana Tech South Dakota State Oakland Drake and then Miami that I mean, these 
the Miami win especially, those just keep looking better. And then they have three other wins over teams that are considered among the favorites in their conferences in mid-major leagues. So, I mean, they have really, really good wins. It's just getting kind of hard to get past these just like no-shows that they're having against lesser opponents. It makes yeah. you think it makes you think that that even if they do get better and keep beating these teams and get a high seed in the tournament, you're gonna be afraid if you pick them that they're going to play down to the level of their competition come their first round of March Madness if they get a 12 or a 13 seed. Yeah, and it could just be with the way they play, because last year they had like tons of death. You have Quinterly like coming off the bench at times. Now he's your leading scorer. And you have young stud a uh, freshman JD Davidson, but Noah Gurley, he had 13 or double digits for the first time in a while against Missouri. But he's a guy that's supposed to be a big-time graduate transfer, and he hasn't really – and aside from that game against Tennessee, hasn't really done much. So I guess when when you have two ball-dominant guards and when both of them are – or one of them's not really in rhythm, like it – does take away a bit from their offense and they don't the rim running protecting bids to protect the floor or protect the um, rim of the basket moving on to the other LSU team that has is just stacked with NFL talent or not NFL sorry NBA talent distracted from watching that college football college football game <laughs> um, LSU big big home win and let's talk about the Tigers big week yeah, they got that win against Tennessee on Saturday, and then Tuesday they beat Kentucky And what was that just wild finish where Kentucky forced a turnover, gave the ball back, and LSU had a couple dunks there to clinch it. Yeah, LSU 14-1 and now. Only losses that road, road tilt against Auburn where they had one point in the first 11 minutes. Other than that, they played the Tigers pretty close for most of that game. That win against Kentucky and Tennessee, that was their – those were their fifth and sixth top 100 Ken Palm wins of the season. Those are like just nice wins. LSU has got a really good resume. They're up to ninth in Ken Palm, up to 12th in the AP poll this week. Xavier Pinson got hurt towards the end of that Tennessee game and grad, uh, transfer from Missouri. Hasn't really just been their best player, but hasn't been their best player, but he is their starting point guard. And if he's out for an extended period of time, that could spell trouble. They got another big week this week at Florida, home against Arkansas, who's been down, but they're still a team that can come out and explode with on you with a bunch of three-pointers. So, I mean, the Tigers are looking really good. And I'm just really – so there might be the most surprising defensive team in the country. They ranked number one in efficiency. And under Will Wade, they've only ranked in the top 100 in defensive efficiency just once. And that was in 2019 when they finished 59th. And that was a Sweet 16 team with, where they had a lot of – where they had Nas Reed um, in the middle. And Javante Smart was, a, was an all-SEC SEC caliber defender as well. But now you just have just so much athleticism, both in the front court and the back court. Hinson been, has been a great transfer. Uh, Darius Days, it seems like he's been playing college basketball forever. And and Brandon Murray, freshman Brandon Murray, is probably going to be on the all-conference defensive team as well. And so, yeah, when you guys when you guys have got – LSU just has have guys that can 
switch one through five, can guard multiple positions, and they're just a nightmare matchup, really, for a lot of these um, athletic SEC teams. And you kind of saw it against Kentucky and Tennessee. It held them both to under 70 points. And even Auburn, too, in, that, in, their, win, in their loss, um, they held Auburn to just 30% from three. And, and they couldn't really get anything going offensively in that loss. But, yeah, the Tigers are definitely – they're for real for sure. Yeah, they another transfer that, since we're mentioning them, Tari Eason from Cincinnati has just been – we talked about him on the last podcast a little bit. Again, revelation for Will Wade. Came off the bench, played 32 minutes against Tennessee, 24, 12 rebounds. 9 of 16 shooting, just a ridiculous, ridiculous stat line, had a ridiculous dunk. He's up to seventh in Ken Palm's National Player of the Year uh, metric, which is just crazy for a guy that's only playing 57% of minutes for the Tigers. Uh, another huge result from Saturday, Duke. Your take of Duke not losing an SEC, a- ACC game this season? Oh, we, don't for, we, we don't forget those? Yeah, it was a crush. I didn't think it would come from Miami. In Durham, of all places. And let's just give him – how long has Charlie Moore been playing uh, college basketball? He's older than me, which means he's been playing college basketball a long time. So, um, yeah, so they have Miami led by, we could say, what, 15-year bet? He's get a 15-year bet. I'm pretty sure he's getting a college basketball pension at this point. Four schools. So, but Charlie Moore, um, absolute stud. Then you guys, you have uh, Isaiah Wong, sophomore, came back. And, yeah, you just have a bunch of gutsy guys there from Miami. This was supposed there's I don't know where they're picked to finish in the ACC, but I don't think they're, finished, they're picked to finish in the top half. And now you got a win against Duke. They've won about nine straight and beat beat Wake Forest at home, which was was a surprising result as an underdog. They beat Syracuse as a favorite. And then Duke, they're a 15-point underdog, one outright. So we're getting yeah, great point. from Miami. We're getting to the point where we need to talk start needing to start talking about them as definitely a potential NCAA tournament team. Their next four games, like if you don't play Duke, their next four games are about as tough as they come this year in the ACC. They got two games against Florida State. They have a home and home against them. And then they play home against North Carolina and go to Virginia Tech. That's their next four. So if they can split those games and be 15 and five going into an away game, uh, road games against Virginia Tech and Georgia Tech, I'm sorry, against Georgia Tech and then home against Notre Dame then that's just going to be a really good spot for them to be. Yeah, I like Miami there, too. Um, and then I mean, Duke, I don't think we have to worry, really worry about Duke. Maybe we kind of overrated them just a bit. Young team, kind of like a sleepy loss. They had, I don't, I, like, I'm not saying worry about them at all, but they had 17 turnovers. I still worry kind of about Wendell Moore's ability to carry that offense and be the main ball handler for them. 
he's had a really good season, no doubt, like probably an All-American, either first or second team if you end the season today. But, you know, 17 turnovers against Miami. When they go up against those deep backcourts that they're going to see in the NCAA tur- deep in the NCAA tournament, I, I'm not sure that they're going to be able to get it done. Then they have a really good – we have a really solid test uh, for Duke again. Well, it's really interesting to see how they were responding against a desperate Wake Forest team. But I wouldn't say desperate, but a team that would probably need this win to make it a run into the NCAA tournament along this Williams has is on my radar as um, like a dark horse play, ACC player of the year. So – Wake Forest, that place is going to be rowdy. They played Duke at home on Wednesday. So that should be one we should probably watch out for. Duke's only a four-point favorite, according to Ken Palm. So it's not going to be a walkover for the Blue Devils. Then we move on to a game on – oh, let's talk. We did – yeah, we'll, we'll get that into the mid-major hour. but Kansas? Yeah, we'll talk about Kansas's loss or Texas Tech. Like, let's give the Red Raiders credit. No, no Terrence Shannon, no McCullers. And they they basically controlled that entire game. Yeah, that was that was that was a really surprising result. You know, they just come off a game against Iowa State that felt like it set college basketball back decades. They only had seven players available, but God, that was tough to watch. So now Ohio, now Texas Tech is 11-3 and three with their only losses coming against Providence, Gonzaga, and at Iowa State. They've been not healthy. Terrence Shannon has missed a lot of games. Like you said, Kevin McCuller missed that victory against Kansas. They have wins now over Kansas, tennis, and Tennessee. They get number one Baylor on the road in Waco. Do you think that the Texas Red Raiders can potentially make it two massive upsets in a row? Yeah, at this point, I'm not going to doubt them. And I'm not sure if they're getting guys back. Is Shannon going to be back or McCullough is going to be back against Baylor? I don't know about either of those. Shannon hasn't played in five games, though. So if he's going to come back, it's going to be off a layoff. I'm sure I'll have a minutes restriction. Well, if you, I don't know. If there's a team that can kind of match with Baylor's physicality, and especially their, their dominance on the offensive boards, I'm thinking it will probably be Tech with the Silva down low. Uh, Tech ranks fifth in the fit, uh, defensive efficiency. I'm not sure how they're going to score, though. That's kind of the thing. I worry about Baylor's one of the be- best defenses in the country. Even in stretches against, like, Kansas, they did, sh- they did struggle. Bryson Williams really carried them down the stretch there. And outside of Williams – I really want to see Kevin O'Banner just get more comfortable in the offense. And if he can get his shooting stroke back, I think Tech can be very dangerous. But it's just hard to – yeah, going against that Baylor defense on the road and you're not – and you don't have uh, like a for sure reliable score that can kind of get you a bucket and play one-on-one, it's really hard. Yeah, you mentioned O'Banner. It's really frustrating to watch them play because we saw what O'Banner can do just off the pick and roll, jump shots, inside player, really good score. He just sits in the corner for Texas Tech, I feel like, especially in that game against Iowa State. It felt like they were making no effort 
for him to get touches, go to work, set him up in the pick and roll at all. It just seemed like he was out there as a floor spacer. And yeah, he's good at that. Shot 45% plus from three last year, but he's such a more versatile player than that, that I think that Mark Adams needs to just kind of get him in the offense more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. With And I think this stretch might make Texas Tech pretty dangerous too, like getting more guys involved and and having Bryson Williams be kind of come become that third third scorer outside of McCullough and Shannon might make Texas Tech very viable. And I think it's really interesting. I think Texas Tech fans must be pretty satisfied where they're at right now compared to their coach that kind of went a little southwest to Austin, Texas. That yeah. they have more votes in the AP top twenty-five poll than the Longhorns. It might be. It was a pretty nice little Saturday for the Red Raider for Red Raiders fans watching Texas and Chris Beard lose on the road convincingly against Oklahoma State, and then coming back around and beating Kansas Saturday night. That must have been pretty cool for them. Definitely. So, so right now they have the kind of the first laugh, and when they play Texas in Lubbock, man, that's going to be that's must watch TV there. Um, Let's move forward to law games postponed. I was kind of upset we didn't get Michigan, Michigan State, but we live to see. Well, we'll talk about before we go what we made out of the Wisconsin and Maryland matchup. That was a hard game to watch for for sure for stretches. Um, Maryland, let's just say, not very good. This is the game they needed to have, and Wisconsin pulled it out with a one-point victory. Jonathan Davis again. But the guy that was the star here was Tyler Wall, 8 of 12 at 21 points. Are we talking about the Badgers as a potential team that can win the Big Ten now? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I'm not sure that the Badgers have the talent to do it. They have Johnny Davis, obviously. Brad Davison's also been in college for longer than I have. It feels like, but I'm not sure that they have what it takes. I mean, you saw them get out to that 29 to 12 lead against Maryland in the first, I think, 10 minutes or 12 minutes. And then just like on offense, they just shrivel up so quickly. If Johnny Davis can't get a bucket and he had 19 and seven yesterday, but on 19 shots, it wasn't the most efficient outing for him. If he's not getting into the basket and putting buckets in, it's really hard for Wisconsin to score. And I think there's going to be more stretches, not to say that he's not a great player and the national player that you're favorite for sure, but there's going to be stretches where he's just, you know, sometimes has an off night or an off seven minutes. And that's going to prove costly for Wisconsin a lot of the time. Here's the thing, Nate, like I, I agree with you, but like I keep losing money betting against Wisconsin. So like at a point, like there comes to a point where I might have to start believing in this team, you know, I believe in them. I believe in them as a top 25 team. I don't think that they are at the level of Ohio State, Illinois, and Purdue, and Michigan State for that. That's fair. Although they, they did beat Purdue in Mackey. I think this team might surprise people with Greg Gard. It's just after seeing them in Maui, and I think they'll have – there's only so much one player can do with uh, Jonathan Davis, but – 
I feel like this team just kind of keeps – they're very gritty. They keep getting better. Um, they do go on some offensive stretches that make you like, your eyes bleed if you're a Badgers fan. But they do a get – Or a basketball <laughs> fan in general. But they do get um, – where, where are they in Ken Palm against Ohio State at home? I think they're, prob- they're probably favored by – They're a two-point two favorite. Two-point favorite. So that will be a big test. Uh, Tyler Wall, EJ Liddell, I want to see that matchup. But yeah, Liddell, had think... thir- Liddell had 34 yesterday They when they beat Northwestern, just a re- another ridiculous performance. So they have – they host Ohio State. Ohio State, they play at Northwestern. So if they win, then they host Michigan State. So if they can win two out of those three, we could talk about Wisconsin being like a top three – top four seed with the resume that they have. If the Marquette win looks a lot better, that win against Houston is going to travel well, um, even w- with Marcus Sasser's injury. The Texas A&M's a lot better than we thought. They just beat Arkansas at home. So, yeah, we'll s- they got Ohio State. The Providence loss doesn't look as bad, especially without they didn't have Jonathan Davis. Providence looks like a top twenty-five, top thirty team. So, yeah, Wisconsin has a chance to build up like pretty damn good resume. Yeah, they have a chance to build up a good resume. I think that the definitely an NCAA tournament team, probably a top five seed. But like I said, I, they're just a little too inconsistent on the offensive end for me too really get behind them so this was a pretty big weekend so we've been talking about the big conference teams but we'll talk about our mid-major power hour here for the next 15 10 15 minutes um big game coming up this weekend at zaga host byu tomorrow but we had a big game saturday that was the headliner of the mountain west colorado state san diego state um game Kind of rescheduled last minute. CSU was supposed to play Boise State. Boise State had COVID problems. They go on the road to VA Center in San Diego instead. And San Diego State kind of ran them out of the gym in the second half. They reminded them who's in charge of the Mountain West Conference. That's what they did. Yeah. And but Colorado State, they're a team. Yeah, I think. San Diego State was a team that was really down on in the beginning of the year because I didn't think they would have a secondary scorer. I thought the defense wasn't the same. I thought losing guys like Jordan Shackle and Mitchell would be a huge problem. And dang, man, they took one, what was one of the best offenses in all of college basketball and just shut the door on them. Like Colorado State, I don't think they got like a good shot in the set all that entire second half. Shot three of 20 from three, 27% from the field. And David Rohde still had 17 points, but it was a it was a hard 17 points. He had to really work for it. And and as much as I like Rohde and the Rams, like I'm kind of worried about Colorado State here. They struggled with the Air Force at home the game before. They were they won against Mississippi State, but they were down by 20 for a lot of that game. The win against St. Mary's was probably one of their best performances, and they beat Creighton early when they were struggling a little bit. So the resume, I think, looks a lot better than 
what I think of the Rams as a whole here. All right. Since you just took your two minutes to bash on the Rams, I'm going to tell you why I still believe. Uh, Roddy had said 17 the other day, you know, Isaiah Stevens, who came into that game, I think leading the country in assist to turnover ratio, he had 19. The rest of the team only scored 13 points. Obviously not great. That game against Air Force was their first game in three weeks because of a COVID pause. That was, like, pause, that was the first time they'd played since that Mississippi State game. They still have two quad one wins. Sorry, one quad one win against on a neutral against Mississippi State and then two quad two wins at home against St. Mary's on neutral against Creighton, which is looking better than it did at the time. Uh, this game against Utah State is going to be really telling about the Rams. You know, they took their licks. They got back in rhythm. I'm trying to get back in rhythm against San Diego State obviously took that lick. But Utah State's another challenging opponent. opponent. They get them at home. David Roddy and Justin Bean matching up at that kind of four position is going to be just must watch. Those are two of the best players in the country. Bean averages 21 and 10 and Roddy averages 20 and eight. So it's going to be really fun to watch. I think that they're going to be able to win that game. I think they're going to just kind of remind people why they were ranked one of the last undefeated teams in the country. So then we had another mid-major matchup I want to talk about. Iona St. Louis, Rick Pitino, credit to, Fred to him scheduling this game last minute. I think they scheduled this like 48 hours before. Went on the road to St. Louis and gave the Billikens all they can handle. What do we think about Iona? And, you know, Salt, this looks might be a quality win for the Billikens too after they really don't have any bad losses. But, but this might go down as like a pretty decent top 100 win. Yeah, I was uh, – uh... A lot of friends from St. Louis going to school in Missouri. So they're always a team that I've been forced to watch in the past and really do enjoy watching Travis Ford's teams play basketball. But this was just, just felt like a win that the Billikens needed so bad. Their losses, I mean, at home, close to UAB, Belmont. Auburn is going to be a top five team for grabs. I think that they have a chance to win the regular season title and do some damage in the conference tournament. Yuri Collins is the name to know for the Billikens. Point guard, St. Louis native, leads the country in assists per game. Really turned himself into a better scorer this season. Him, Francis Okoro, Gibson Jemerson. They have a nice little trio right there. And I think the Billikens can make some noise in the conference. Then we'll talk about BYU for St. Mary's. Another game that's set basketball back a year. Back a year, decades, centuries. Yeah, this is kind of a bloodbath. Um, Like, make your eyes bleed if you like offense. Wasn't really a fan of either team. Had to really drop St. Mary's down in my ranking just from, like, watching this. Although it may have been unfair, but neither team could really hit a shot. St. Mary's really had a chance to come back in this game. They made a bunch of stops late and had had two or three open threes. Like, Dukas literally had an open corner three and shot it and hit the side of the backboard something that I would do at LA Fitness. Uh, what would what did you think of what we saw and what was supposed to be two of the best teams in the WCC? Uh, I came away unimpressed with both of them. Uh, I think BYU is a solid team. St. Mary's, I think they're probably an NCAA tournament team as of right now too. But, you know, it's just, it's just really tough to – watch that game and think like, oh, yeah, those two teams are penciled in NCAA tournament teams. 
St. Mary's is another one of those teams that doesn't really have a bad loss. Their losses are on a neutral versus Wisconsin at Colorado State, neutral against SDSU, and then at BYU. So 12 and four. But there's no win that really sticks out. Notre Dame was a decent win. Oregon is not what we thought they were coming into the season. And Utah State is kind of just middling after their strong start. I still think St. Mary's is safe for an NCAA tournament bid as of now. But, you know, they're right now they look like that of the four WCC teams. They look like the team that's most in danger of missing the NCAA tournament. I think they're one bad loss away from totally taking themselves like out of the bubble, like a lot, like not, I'm not calling them to lose tomorrow or Thursday at Pepperdine, but at Pepperdine beats them at home, which they have sneaky good talent. They're just really consistent. But if those guys get hot and St. Mary's, they continue to struggle to they just struggle to score and hit their shots. Like that's a game I can totally see themselves losing if they have a shooting performance like they did against BYU. Like I think that takes them out of the, con- the tournament discussion. I don't think it even needs to be a loss that's that bad. I think they could drop a game to like on the road against Pepperdine, and it's like, well, not Pepperdine, Loyola Marymount, and it's like, well, Loyola Marymount. We had some expectations of them coming into the season, but they haven't been great, and they're not close to postseason consideration. So. Even a loss like that could really send the Gales like out of the out of the tournament picture. And while we're talking about the WCC, we got to mention that kind of make it happen game between Loyola Chicago and San Francisco Thursday. Yeah, I didn't get to watch this game at work, but I was actually listening to the radio broadcast of Loyola Chicago. Great radio production, by the way. But big win for the Ramblers. Yeah, that was a win the Ramblers really needed. Uh, their only losses were to Auburn and Michigan State, but you know the schedule was just bare on wins. Their best win up to that point was at Vandy, who has been obviously better this season, but still not what you want when you think about a team who's you want to be their best win. So you know, really nice performance against San Francisco. Really great college basketball game. I mean, it was just you know two quality top, definitely top forty teams in the country playing in a junior college gym in Utah on a neutral court with limited fans there. It was just awesome, awesome to watch besides the announcers. He sounded like he was broadcasting the game from Mars. So other than that, it was a wonderful, wonderful game. Sweet. Um, so while we go in here, we're going to go through our mid-major top 25 rankings. Um, Matt, Nate, do you just kind of want to start us up with your top 10? Yeah, so are we counting Gonzaga as a mid-major or not? Because I usually do. They play in the West Coast Conference. Yeah, so, might uh, as well. well. We'll count the American if you want to. Oh, uh, well, that, I didn't – oh, shit, didn't but, count them. Well, then, then we'll count, won't count the American then. So, we'll right, so my top 10 is Gonzaga, obviously, second-best team in the country right now. Came off pause this week. Looked like they had a missed a beat, beat Pepperdine by 30. Just really nice performance with them. Number two, I have the Ramblers. Uh, they got a really good win against San Francisco that we just talked about. Just a really consistent team. Drew Valentine's been fantastic in his first season as their head coach. Three, I have BYU. They may have set basketball back decades, but they still got a win against St. Mary's, which was a quality win. BYU has beaten some decent teams this season. Utah State, out Missouri State. They have some fine wins. The neutral court against Liberty, neutral court win against Liberty is something that I think kind of holds up, which is nice. They beat in San Diego State. Uh, 
that's why I have it number four. The Aztecs just killed Colorado State. That was a fantastic performance for the Aztecs. Five, I have the Rams. I That game was just kind of something that you needed to see before you ranked mid-major teams. Six, I have San Francisco. The Dons held up well against the Ramblers. They just didn't have enough to win at the end. Seven, I have Davidson. The Wildcats under Bob McKillop has been – they've been really good. They kind of had a slip-up at – I think it was the Myrtle Beach Invitational in one of those multi-team events at the beginning of the season. But since then, they haven't lost. Beaten Bama. That's his signature win. Started conference play 2-0. and They have a game against Richmond on Friday that I'm really excited to watch. Tyler Burton and Hunjin Lee matching up at the four position. Should be really fun. Both super talented mid-major players. Uh, number eight, I have St. Mary's. I didn't really like that when I submitted it. But nonetheless, I have them there. Uh, nine, Murray State. I think Murray State and Belmont are neck and neck. But right now, I have the racers ahead of Belmont. I think they have the best win of the two between with their win at Memphis. And Belmont doesn't really have that signature victory yet on the schedule. And uh, Ohio at 10. Ohio's beat Belmont by 12. Only two losses are to ranked SEC foes. Uh, Mark Sears is a really good player. Ben Vanderplas and Jason Carter are an awesome front court. And right now, they're the best team in the MAC, without a doubt. Yeah. Well, ours are kind of like I got a lot of crap from mine. So maybe mine sucks, but I'll, I'll get, give it, I'll send it out anyway. But the Zags are number one and Lyle Chicago number two. Pretty self-explanatory there. Um, three, I got BYU. I, I really like – I still like the Kooks team. Barcelo, Tayshawn Lucas, like, they have one of the most experienced rosters in the country. I think they'll figure it out. Four, I was really impressed with USF and San Francisco and with Tall Golden doing. Five, San Diego State, Brian Dutcher, Ken Dowdham. One of the best defensive teams. They just have a really strong culture there. And they beat Colorado State with a limited um, – it was a home court, but they had a lot of change with their COVID rules that – and students weren't on campus yet from break. So, it went under those circumstances. Next, I got Colorado State. Kind of dropped them down to six. Um, yeah, just a little – I think Nick, Nico Medved seems they'll be uh, – NCA tournament at, la- at large team, but just relying on the three ball and lost scoring comes from their two, two, two best players. The team that I'm really high on is VCU. Ace Baldwin, Vince Williams, one of the best defensive teams in college basketball. They rank. They just They've kind of been on a roll. They'll have like a signature win, but kind of just going by the eye test here, number two in, two in, in a defensive efficiency, four in effective field goal percentage, and number one team in forcing the three. And they force teams over at the third highest rate. And I think they just have the highest upside with their offense improving, and they found their star score in Ace Baldwin. And so I think they're going to continue to go up from there. Next, I have Ohio. And then it rounds it out with my top 10 with Davidson and Belmont. So, so that's where I have in my top 10 with New Mexico State and SLU, St. Louis and Iona, UAB and Chattanooga just 
rounding up the top 15. All right, so outside your top 10, who do you think has the most best chance to make some noise come March? I think it might be I, – I think it might be Iona with Rick Pitino. Like, you can't down him, doubt him. And you have those uh, Joyner and Tyson Jolly as just solid um, higher major transfers. And they beat Bama. They competed against St. Louis on the road. Um, they played against game against Kansas. So just with the coaching and the experience. And then Nelly Jr. Joseph is a guy who could play two ways, a really good scorer in the post. Uh, Quince Slazinski is a 6'9 slasher that has a lot of upside. And if I, could, if I had a better team that was going to win an NCAA tournament game that's outside of my top 10, I would definitely go with Iona. And there'll be a 13, a 12 seed in the tournament. I like the Gales. All right, so the team that I have that, that I think has the chance to make some real noise outside my top ten is Louisiana Tech. Louisiana Tech, uh, Conference USA is tough. Them and UAB kind of neck and neck at the top of that league. But they have a proven star in Kenneth Lofton Jr., kind of guy that can carry you in March. I mean, he's had huge games against quality opposition at 36 and 17 against NC State earlier this season. Uh, they have a solid backcourt. Isaiah Crawford went down early in the season. Only played two games, and that opened up a role for Kobe Williams, who's really emerged lately to go along with Amari Alterbald and Keeson Willis. And I think that they just have, like I said, really good backcourt proven star, and they've played high major opponents, lost not by nine points to NC State, got killed by Alabama, but still going to Tuscaloosa and playing a tough team. That's impre- that's takes guts. Uh, neutral court close game against LSU. Like, I'm not sure that they have what it takes to go far in the tournament because if they run into a team that's really big, I think it's going to give them problems. But if they're a 13 or 14 seed and they get a solid matchup like Villanova, a team without a lot of size, without a lot of depth, who they can kind of go man for man with, Villanova is definitely more talented, don't get me wrong. But if they can kind of go man for man, they get a good matchup for Kenny Lofton Jr. And I think he's capable of going nuts and going and carrying them to a victory in the tournament. I have them at 13 right now behind Belmont, 14, sorry, behind Belmont, Chattanooga, and UAB. We, I, I, do, I do love Kenneth Lawson, one of my favorite players in the country. It's just in Louisiana Tech, they've been rolling, like you said. Five wins conference. in a row. And I think the Conference USA might be one of the most underrated conferences, mid-major conferences this year. We, like you said, you mentioned UAB, Louisiana Tech, but even teams that like North Texas is very good this year. Um, UTEP with uh, Joel Golding, they'll be able to give teams trouble in the conference tournament. Uh, Charlotte's another one with Ron Sanchez. It's kind of on the rise. They're 209th in Kempom, Western Kentucky. So those four with, with Louisiana Tech UAB, what Western Kentucky is doing with Rick Stansberry and the talent that they have and North Texas and their home in the Super Pit, like Conference USA, is one of uh, one of the more exciting mid-major conferences this year for sure. Uh, anything else you want to get talking about with the mid-major, or should we look ahead to tomorrow's loaded slate of games? Let's look ahead to tomorrow's uh, loaded uh, loaded slate. With I thought last thir- last Saturday was great, but Tuesday might be one of my more favorite uh, sl- slates of the week week and we'll start it off with a game that starts off at 4 p.m 
or 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific. A game out in the West Coast, Stanford hosting USC. No fans. Yeah, the- that really kills the home court vibe for Stanford. Like you said, students still not on campus, so not sure how rowdy it would have been anyway. But still, I mean, no fans. That makes it really tough. But yeah, Stanford is an interesting matchup for USC. They're coming off a long COVID pause. Their last game was in Maui against Liberty. But, you know, they have athletes that can give them problems. Jaden Delaire is a good player. He's really rounded out and rounded into a good player his senior year. Harrison Ingram was a five-star freshman that Jared Haas got another one. He's 6'8", 230, leading the team in assists. I mean, that's pretty impressive for a freshman to be doing that. So Stanford's got guys that can give USC problems. And, you know, road game, two o'clock in the afternoon. I, I don't I might sprinkle a little bit on Stanford money line. They're probably what the, they're a five point dog. According to Ken Palm is probably plus 200 on the money line. That seems worth a little sprinkle. Yeah. And it's right now on DraftKings. They actually have a line for it. USC minus five and a half. I love Stanford here. I think this is going to be my best bet of the day tomorrow. Uh, Jaden Delorier. They also have a seven one freshman, Maxim Reynold. He doesn't get much, much um, playing time. Uh, but play 20 minutes against Baylor or but just a 7-1 guy that they can throw at for like 10 to 15 minutes. Um, but like you said, their lineup goes 6-7, 6-9, 6-8, 6-9. So a lot of length to throw at USC. Uh, USC and the last undefeated teams, but they did struggle against an Irvine team before the – before their break, the UC Irvine led by eight points in the second half. Another team that plays similar to Stanford, a lot of length in the front court. And and Colin Belt kind of went off in that game, had 24 points. But, yeah, Irvine's a team that kind of plays fit, pretty physical, really good on the bo- offensive boards. And... And Stanford has athletes. What USC is doing really good is they're they're number one in a field goal defense right now, and they really protect the paint. So Stanford's going to have to be able to shoot, and they're above average at doing that, shooting like 30, 35% from three as a team. And it's going game's going to be one on the boards. Stanford is really bad at turning the ball over. They don't have really great guard play. Uh, but USC turns the ball over at one of the lowest rates in the nation, so I don't think that's going to be a problem for Stanford in this game. If if they can make it close, win the rebounding battle, win the rebounding battle, I think Stanford has a good shot to win. Yeah, I think like one of those stats you threw out there that USC is number one in effective field goal percentage in the country. I mean, who would have thought that after losing Evan Mobley to the draft? I mean, that's just a ridiculous job of coaching by Andy, like by Andy Enfield and a credit to those guys that he had returning. Then we'll go back to the mid-major slate. Dayton hosting St. Louis in a big A-10 matchup. We know Dayton had that big win against Kansas earlier in the year. St. Louis surviving on the road against Iona. Uh, Dayton had last home conference home game. Uh, Ace Baldwin had a last-minute buzzer beater that shocked the Flyers at home. Now they get another big home matchup. They're a three-point favorite on DraftKings Sportsbook right now. What do we think about the Flyers? Can they take care of business, or St. Louis can they walk away with a road win? Uh, This was one of the games I highlighted in my mid-major Monday column. I'm just – I don't know how it's going to turn out. 
I don't have a real feel for the bet for either side of the line on this game, but I'm really excited to watch Yuri Collins and Malachi Smith go at it. Yuri Collins, third year point guard for St. Louis, really emerged this season with the loss of Jordan Godwin, Javante uh, Perkins, who tore his ACL, and uh, Hassan French. I mean, he's really taken the reins as the leader of that team, leads the nation in assists, fifth in the country in assist rate. Uh, he's just been awesome for them. And then Dayton's got a freshman in Malachi Smith, who's been really good, kind of taking the reins for them, playing 84% of the minutes in, at point guard in the last five games for the Flyers. Him and Tumani Kamara formed a nice little inside-out connection. So don't really have a great feel for this game betting-wise, but excited to watch it for sure. Yeah. I would probably lean St. Louis here. Just a little bit more experience. Um, big conference game. Malachi Smith been a great story, but I'll take I'll take St. Louis uh, getting some getting the more experienced team getting the points. Another game we want to watch out for probably one of the bigger games of the weekend, but. Uh, Kansas hosting Iowa State. This game's not even on cable, which is crazy. It's on Big 12 to deal with ESPN. It's on ESPN Plus, so you need ESPN Plus to watch it. But best $6 a a month you can spend, I'm telling you. I know. If you love mid-major hoops, you got to have it. But Kansas, they are a 12-point favorite, laying a big number. Kansas, like we said, coming off a road loss to, to Texas Tech. Do they take a care of business like Vegas says here right. against the Cyclones, or the or do the Cyclones have a long long shot chance here? I feel really bad for the Cyclones to go into Allen Fieldhouse in this spot. I'm not gonna lie, uh, Iowa State has just after their just like dream non conference start has just had one of the toughest, and just like it'll continue. The Big Twelve holds no gives no breaks to anybody. But just to start, home against Baylor, home against Texas Tech at Oklahoma, at Kansas. Uh, Kansas coming off a loss against Texas Tech. I think they have a real advantage inside. I can't believe I'm saying that about David McCormack. But I think they have a real advantage inside. He played really well against Oklahoma State two games ago. And if he can play well again, I think Kansas is going to come in out for blood. I think that they win and cover. If Isaiah Bronkington, like the one caveat I'd say to that is that if Isaiah Brockington, who's been one of the best transfers in the country coming over from Penn State, if he can play out of his mind and kind of neutralize that wing duo of Christian Braun and Oche Abaji, I think Iowa State has a can cover and has a fighting chance. But I don't see that happening. I think Kansas wins and wins convincingly. Then we have a low-key rivalry here. Uh, Miami going at Florida State. Florida State's a six-point favorite. Are we going to can the Hurricanes win another big one as a as a big underdog? I don't see why not. I think that they have the better guards in this game. I think that they they don't have the coaching advantage. Leonard Hamilton is where it's at. But what worries me is that Malik Osborne inside has been a problem for Florida State this year. He's had a really good season. Got off to a really good start. Had a really good season overall. But, yeah, I think that uh, – I think that the Hurricanes have a fighting chance. I'd pick them to cover, but not one outright. Then we'll move forward to uh, – let's move forward to the biggest game of the slate. Um, Auburn hosting – Alabama hosting Auburn. 
Crimson Tide just lost a national title in football. Now they have a big basketball game against the arch rival. Will Alabama fans have something to cheer about Tuesday night? I don't know if we talked about this, but Missouri beat the 15th ranked Auburn tie, Alabama Crimson Tide on Saturday afternoon. Did we mention that? Yeah, we did. We did. Oh, all right. Must have missed that part. Uh, no, I think uh, Alabama here really badly needs a win. They've showed that they can play up to their competition. Uh, Jabari Smith feels like a problem for Alabama just because he's so long, so athletic, can shoot over defenders. And I feel like Katie Johnson, Alan Flynn, again, those guys are window green. I feel like those guys are going to be able to get to the rim against Alabama, who has Charles Bediaco, uh at center. He was a highly recruited freshman. Uh, seven feet tall, but he has not shown that he's ready for SEC basketball. I don't think, especially at the level that the conference is playing at this year, if he can show that he adjusted on the fly from last week and had, over those like two days of practice time, then I think Alabama, then I think he can give Auburn, Auburn problems at the rim. But if he can't match up with Walker Kessler, I don't see that Alabama beating Auburn. Yeah, Auburn, man, we have to kind of start talking about him as. They're at fourth in the AP poll, but their one loss is a double overtime loss to UConn on a neutral court. I mean, like where their whole team fouled out, I think, if I remember that game correctly. It was a crazy game. Went 15 to 109. I think I had UConn in that game. One of my lucky went few lucky wins the season. I think Katie Johnson fouled out and Jabari Smith fouled out. Jabari Smith fouled out too, yeah. And then and that was the that was the first game too, where Walker Kessler kind of just like emerged as the guy that we thought we were going to get when he transferred from North Carolina. And at this point, it's just like all like all the train is just going. Walker Kessler has been one of the best big men in the country, like we expected him to be when he transferred to Auburn. And they responded like the next day. They played Lionel Chicago, based one by nine, covered the spread, and then destroyed Syracuse the day after Thanksgiving. And then it's been, yeah, they just coasted since. Like, I think the only game that they haven't covered was St. Louis. Louis. Yeah. Yeah, it's the only game. So they're one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine, ten. So they've covered kind of their last 11, which is, I don't know, did they cover against South Carolina? I think they did. Yeah, that was a road game. I'm sure that was like a 10 or 11 point spread. Yeah, so I think they co- they did cover against South Carolina. Yeah, um, I just looked. It was uh, you're about right. They're 12 point favorite on the road. And they covered. I tried. <laughs> so crazy. So, so they covered 10 out of their last 11, and now they're getting points, even if it's on the road. Man, it's, I feel like this is a great spot to take Bama, but it's hard to bet against Auburn. Like the one thing though, like. Again, the one thing I'll say is that Bama has shown they play up to their competition this year when they beat Gonzaga, beat Houston. I mean, they've shown that they can play with the best teams in the country. And I they can win this game. Nate Oates is a phenomenal coach. They have phenomenal talent. But I like Auburn here. Next game, um, I think oh, the line shifted to Creighton, but I feel like a lot of people will be on Providence. Uh, Creighton hosting Providence. Province ranked 23rd. They're coming off a win against St. John's, but they got blitzed by Marquette. And what I thought was just on Tuesday, like I said, it was just a terrible spot for Providence. But now they have a chance to win another road game in the Big East where 
I think winning road games in this conference is going to be so hard to come by. Like, if you can win two or three road wins in this conference in the season, that's a great year. But you think – what do we think? Do we think Creighton holds serve or does, can Providence get a quad one win here? I think Creighton is going to have the advantage inside, which against Nate uh, Watson doesn't happen a lot. Brian Hawkins has been really good transferring over from D2. Arthur Kaluma Kaluma has been another really good freshman for them. And then Ryan Kalkbrenner, St. Louis boy, I believe, uh, has has made a really big leap his sophomore season and been really good, really good protecting the rim. Doesn't foul a lot, which is important, obviously, for a 7-1 big man. Seventh in effective field goal percentage in the country. Rebounds the ball at a great rate. He's been a really, really good find for – uh, Craig McDermott. So I like, I like Creighton in this game. I think they'll have the advantage in the back and the front court. And if Ryan Nemhard can have a good game handling the ball, I think that they'll win. Yeah, in a game that we won't talk about, but I do like um, UNLV minus six tomorrow against New Mexico. Patino will be New Mexico coach Richard Patino will be out with COVID, and UNM just lost a couple of their bigs. They're going to be playing. Uh, Burma Sec at the four uh, transfers from Kansas, but hasn't really got much action. So talented, but very inexperienced there. Uh, New Mexico kind of struggles taking care of the ball, and they don't really play defense at all, like ever. Uh, they're ranking in the in the Reds in basically every Kem Palm category. And I think UNLV takes care of business here. Um, yeah, and I think they'll take care of the ball in this situation where New Mexico doesn't really force turnovers. And we're going to see a, uh, a vintage Bryce Hamilton game. I think they cover that spread at home. Uh, one more big game we didn't mention we can talk about a little bit before we get out of here. Uh, Texas hosting Oklahoma. Texas needs to bounce back after losing at Oklahoma State convincingly. Trey Mitchell missed that game with COVID, third leading score. Not sure if he's going to be back tomorrow, but uh, Oklahoma got a big win against Iowa State this weekend, convincing home win. Really nice job by Porter Moser. He's had that team really prepared all year. Both teams 12 and three. I believe both teams two and one in the Big 12. Who do you like there? I think Texas should bounce back. Like, theoretically, I think Chris Beard you, – you figure, like, Chris Beard is officially going to get this thing right. Like, we know they have the talent. At some, like, at some point, yeah, but, like, uh, it's getting late, early. So, I like Texas at home here. don't love it. Like, I think athleticism, like, they have do have athletic bigs. I think that will give Groves trouble. Um, but – Timmy Allen should be able to get to the rim. Oklahoma, they're great in two-point. They're good at two-point defense, but they're a little bit better defending the perimeter. Uh, Texas is supposed to – they're top 20 in the interior and two-point defense, and that's where Oklahoma likes to make its hay. But, yeah, I just don't feel great about it. Like, Texas should win. But the way Texas plays at such a slow tempo, I don't like them giving a lot of points. What's it's the not, spread out on DraftKings? It's six, in, it's six right now. 
and five on Ken Palm. So not something I love. Rivalry game, Porter Moser, like has been. I think Porter Moser is like a 70% head coach as covering the spread as an underdog. It's something ridiculous like that. That means I'll probably lose money tomorrow because I like Texas at minus that number. Like you said, one of the one of the reasons you picked that is that they're going to have athletic bigs that gives Groves and those other guys problems on the inside. Uh, if Trey Mitchell does play, I like it even more, but not sure about that. But uh, I still think Timmy Allen, Christian Bishop, and Dylan DeSue are going to give Tanner Groves and company a lot of problems on the interior. And Marcus Carr's been playing a little better lately. Didn't get a chance to see that game on Saturday. I'm sure he didn't play great. They lost by 13. So uh, I think he still like helps right the ship a little bit there and that Texas gets a big, much needed W. Yeah, they definitely need it for sure. We'll talk about a couple games on Wednesday before we get out of here. Big one in the Big East, Villanova going at Xavier at the X. Um, is Villanova going to abstain their dominance or is Xavier going to say, hey, we can compete for the top team in the Big East? I think Xavier has the talent to compete with Villanova. I think, and to be the top team in the Big East, I think they're going to get a big boost from that sense of center crowd. Tough place to play. I like the Musketeers in that one. I agree. Paul, Scru- Paul Scruggs and, Co- and Colin Gillespie have both been playing college basketball for what feels like a decade. So, all of one one one. And even Zach Fremantle, who's been there for a while, Jack Nunji, all the Iowa guys that. Yeah, they're either they're at Iowa now or have transferred elsewhere. Seem like they've been there forever as well. And I think just Xavier's size in the front court here is going to give Villanova trouble. I think they'll be able to rebound the basketball, dominate the offensive boards, and unless Villanova's shooting like 45, 40% three, I think Xavier wins. Yeah, and then the next really big game in the SEC, LSU goes on the road as a three-point favorite, according to Ken Palm, against Florida. Florida just lost to Auburn on – just lost both games to out the Alabama teams last week with a 13-point loss to Alabama, 12-point loss on the road against Auburn. Mike White's squad hasn't really been showing a lot since – at all this season. Their best win is a neutral court victory over Ohio State on a Tyree Appleby buzzer being three. But other than that, that home loss to Texas Southern, six out. The first loss against Maryland, and then starting 0-2 in the SEC. Do we think the Gators need a much, much, get a much, much needed win against LSU at home? I think they do. I have no way to prove that they will, but um, I think they do. Uh, Colin Castleton, Tyler Appleby, I think Myron Jones, they just get a, they just find a way to get it done here. It's they're a three-point underdog on Ken Palm right now. It's hard to imagine them winning the offensive rebounding battle because that's really what they've been surviving on, and I don't see any other way they can score. But if they can defend, um, Florida kind of likes to get out, and they like to run. Um, they can't really shoot. I think that's Florida's problem right now. Um even when they Castleton gets doubled, there's not really many shooters he can really kick it out to. So, but yeah, this is the season I think for um, Florida here. I agree with that. They, I, I, 
can't see them winning this game. Like you, like you think that you have a hunch. I can't see them winning it. I think LSU has too many bodies, too much athleticism on the inside. Colin Castleton is a really good college basketball player, but I think like Tari Eason's athleticism is just nuts. He can, his ability to protect the rim will be a difference. Darius Days and is going to win his matchup against Anthony Deruji. I think uh, LSU gets that win there. I think my thing is like, what's their Florida gets a really good transfer in CJ Felder, and they don't really use him. Like, well, but when he uh, he's plays, a, he score, I mean, like he scores too. Like, isn't that his thing? Wasn't that his thing at a? Yeah, he scores, but he I don't think he hasn't played over twenty minutes a game, and he's only playing thirty six point four percent of minutes. Yeah, he shot. I mean, he's a good score on the inside, six seven two thirty. Shot sixty percent from two last year. I mean, they need all the help they can get on the offensive end, and I feel like he would help them. Yeah, but he doesn't play, which is kind of mind-boggling. Because I thought, like, Myron Jones – like, Florida was a team that we thought was going to be helped by a bunch of transfers. Myron Jones and C.J. Felder, and they don't really use Felder. So, yeah, maybe something to watch. Maybe an adjustment Mike White needs to make. But there he goes. And then I don't think there's really any games for Wednesday. Um, Thursday, we can just kind of run through them real quick. Uh, the big ones just really Gonzaga, BYU, but I think Gonzaga kind of runs through them. Any hope, BYU? No, nobody's on the inside. Nobody's in the front court. That will be able to stop Timmy and Holmgren. Gonzaga rolls. If that's an 11-point spread, like Ken Palm predicts that, that's probably a game I'll hit Gonzaga on pretty big. All right. Anything, any official. So we have officially you like Auburn. I like um, Auburn money line. I like Creighton minus two, I think is what it was. And then there was a I think I like Texas minus six. Those are my three official ones that probably won't be. Yeah, I guess. Man, the Bama Auburn when I'm going back and forth. Cause it's like a spot where like Alabama should win. But this Auburn's just been a freaking wagon. I think Auburn is just a, a better team. I don't think Bama, they have the athletes to neutralize Bama's perimeter game. And then if Bama goes to the basket, they got to meet Walker Kessler in there. If he gets in foul trouble, I could see Bama really having a big first half and kind of controlling the game. But if he stays out of foul trouble, I think uh, they're going to have a big uh, win. I want to guess. I'm really interested seeing what the total in that game is going to be. It has to be at least like 155. Do they not have a lineup for that? I don't, I don't think so. 79-78, uh, according to Ken Palm, so that would be 157. It'll probably differ two or three points each way. Either way. But, probably yeah, my favorite, my favorite bet, though, just kind of repeat, I love Stanford. Bet of the day, bet of the year, 2 o'clock. Put your two o'clock on. <laughs> on January 11th uh, at Pacific time is Austin Montgomery's bet of the year. That's what we love to see. Love Stanford against USC. I could USC might be up by 15. I might be in my work cubicle crying, but <laughs> I'll be glued to the computer screen at work uh, checking the score there. Love Stanford. Um, I'll take Texas Tech plus the 12. Just to compete with Baylor, kind of the same. I can see them that game playing out the same way Oklahoma did last week. And then I like UNLV minus a six. So 
I'll probably take St. Louis plus three against Dayton. Never been a major matchup, but those are the plays. We'll post them on our Twitter account. Follow us at, at Men of March. Follow us at studentunionsports.com. Follow Nate Marcus and all the content he writes up at Student Union Sports. It's been a great podcast, Nate, and we'll, we'll talk soon. Yes, sir. Hopefully this week before Saturday is another presumably big slate. Yep. We'll get all the content up for you guys for Student Union's College Basketball Podcast. It's the men of March. Uh, we wish you great luck, good hoops, and winning bets. And now, here we go.